ESPN Daily is presented by Supercuts, the smarter, easier way to get a haircut. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. This week on ESPN Daily, we have four shows for the 50th anniversary of Title IX. That's the civil rights law that guaranteed women the opportunity to play. I'm Allison Glock, head of W Studios, your host for the next few days. Pablo will be back next week. It's Tuesday, June 21st. So in 1972, 50 years ago, President Nixon, of all people, signed Title IX into law. Well, the thing that's funny about Title IX and athletics is like one of the bastions of resistance. Most people associate Title IX with sports, even though sports is not mentioned in the 37 words of the legislation. The law guaranteed women and girls protection against discrimination in any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. So it's that activity part that meant Title IX basically created women's sports in America. We're really hoping that it can set the tone and really create that legacy for women in sports. I'm Allison Glock. I spent the past year and change immersed in all things Title IX including ESPN Films' four-part documentary, 37 Words. Part one is directed by my friend Don Porter, and in it she shows what life was like for women and what sports was like for women before Title IX became law. You have to understand that to understand what the fight for Title IX was all about. One of the centerpieces of the documentary is a sit-down with two icons of women's rights. One is Billie Jean King, the former world number one tennis star with 39 titles under her name. The press labeled us, you know, women's lib. And I, I thought it was funny. I didn't even think about it. All I knew is that I didn't feel tennis was right. And then there's Gloria Steinem, the journalist, activist, and one of the matriarchs of the women's movement. While Billie Jean was winning matches all over the world, Gloria was leading the march for women's equality across all sectors of society. I wouldn't have admitted the inequality in my own life, even though I was continually discriminated against in journalism. Both of these women kept women's rights in the spotlight for decades, but they'd never sat down together, just the two of them, until Don Porter made that happen for this film. Oh, I'm gonna listen to Gloria in this one. Yeah, that's funny. This is my, my chance to learn more with Gloria. Again, oh, stop learn. it, stop it. I always learn so much from you. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding, how serious. Well, we don't know where we're gonna go with this, so we... No, we know. don't. Yeah. What Don got is the inside story of how and why sports joined forces with the movement for women's rights. And that's what I talked to her about. Hi, Don. Hi, Allison. Tell me and our dear listeners about how 37 Words opens. You know, the hardest thing to do is to start a film so you never know how it's going to actually start. Um, it's actually one of the most terrifying and one of the best feelings when you finally figure out how it should start. So we had planned this session with Billie Jean King and Gloria Steinem to have them in conversation. What I didn't know at the time is that they had never done that before. So as soon as, as Gloria walked in the room, Billie Jean just, they just, they just, 
started talking and we were just rolling on all of it. We were filming all of this, but. Oh, great, but I like, this is sweet, man, I like yeah. it. Is that all right? <laughs> yeah. And that's how we start the film. <laughs> all right, okay, this is a presentation here. Two women in conversation and their respect for each other comes through, their humor comes through, and it just felt like, like this is such a great way to start because that's really how the women's movement started with women in conversation. We are linked, not ranked. We're yes. in a circle, not in a hierarchy. Yes, I got it. Right, okay. Because I'm used to rankings with sports. <laughs> That's amazing that they hadn't been in a conversation prior. Was that a surprise to you? It was a surprise. Is this the first time? We've just, you and me? I think so, yeah. I think it could be the only one. Yeah. And uh, it was also a surprise. If anyone knows or has seen Billie Jean King and, and her fierce advocacy, it was a surprise to me that she was a little nervous. Yeah, and that footage is so intimate and immediate. You know, you can tell that there's a magical moment happening in real time. When do you think we first met? Because I... I don't think that the, the Bobby Riggs moment, I don't think no, that we, we met had met that. yet. No, we I think did? we did. Okay, okay, let me ask, do you remember this? This is like an old married couple. You know? <laughs> Why did you want to pair these two women specifically? So the series is four hours, traces, you know, pre-Title IX to today and the present. And through all of the research we did, and we did a lot of research, Billie Jean keeps showing up. She's there um, starting professional women's tennis. It's been a year since we first had our first Virginia Slims Invitational in Houston. You know, we're bad little girls, but that's where it all started. But then she's there advocating for Title IX. The feminist thing, uh, how important is that, Billy? The women's movement is important to me, uh, as long as it stays practical. And I think that the women's movement is really making a better life for more people other than just women. And then she's there for pro-women's basketball. And now she's a part owner in uh, you know, for women's professional soccer. The club made headlines for its majority female ownership, led by some of Hollywood's biggest stars and sports legends, such as Abby Wambach, Mia Hamm, Serena Williams, and Billie Jean King. It makes me really happy. We're at a tipping point. These are a lot of the dreams coming true that I used to dream as a younger person. Billie Jean is really kind of an unsung hero of Title IX because she just has led by example in always supporting women. She's always thinking about, you know, what's next? How can I make things better? And then Gloria Steinem as, you know, one of the foremost thinkers about rights for women, who also is always sharing the spotlight and also is always thinking about what she can do to help other people. It just felt like they really set a stage for a theme that we didn't know was going to emerge, which is a lot of the women's movement um, has been about women helping women and looking forward, not just looking to their own place in history 
or what they were going to achieve for themselves, but thinking very intentionally about the next generations. And those two women exemplified that, you know, just to a T. I love your description of Billie Jean. It sounds like the Forrest Gump of, of ad, advocacy. <laughs> she is a Forrest Gump. <laughs> She's Forrest Gump. Yeah, exactly. Gumpina. Can you tell us, just for folks who don't know, as simply as you can, what Title IX is? Title IX is uh, a civil rights law. The law itself is 37 words, which hence the title, that was inserted into a very large education bill. Every year there's an education, you know, the, the government allocates money for education. And so this law, which gives equality for women in education, is what Title IX is. Over the years, that has been interpreted to protect many, many different equality assertions. Title IX. No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. So the most well-known is equality in sports and equality of opportunity to play sports. But Title IX is far broader than that. It is equality in opportunity. And so you get protections against sex harassment because if you are being harassed in school, you cannot have an equal opportunity to get your education. If there's one thing we'd like to get across is, um, and ESPN really encouraged this, is for us to lean into the story of Title IX as a civil rights law. Yeah, I think there is a, you know, a deep misunderstanding of what it, it is and isn't. Um, before we leave Billy and her origin story, there's a wonderful anecdote in there about how she went to her brother's baseball game. And it was this, instead of being sort of an inspirational moment, it was like this devastating moment. Can you talk us through that, that scene a little bit? Sure. And, you know, this is a story that um, many women of a certain generation tell which is they had a natural affinity for certain activities. So for Billie Jean, she had a natural affinity for baseball. She loved baseball. She was good at baseball. She also loved basketball. And she, uh, when she was about nine years old, she went to a professional baseball game with her family. And she looked out on the field and she saw that every player was male. I played all team sports, and I have a younger brother, Randy Moffat. Um, we played ball together. We did everything together. Um, but I was nine years old when we went to a baseball game at Wrigley Field in L.A., which looks just like the one in Chicago. It's not there anymore. And it was AAA. California did not have a major league team at this time. And I was watching, and my heart sank, because it was the first time I realized because I'm a girl, I'd never be able to play professional baseball. And she said it was really devastating because if you think when you're a young kid and you're told you can do anything, you believe people. I've been never the same since that moment. Um, and so that was my first real understanding that I've 
got less chances. Also in the classroom, we weren't called on. We just were second-class citizens, and I just, I just knew it was going to be a different road because of that. And, you know, ironically and interestingly, her brother did become a professional baseball player. But Billie Jean was a really strong athlete. And she turned her attention to tennis kind of as a, as a backup, as a, on a whim. Somebody said, well, do you want to play tennis? And she said, what's tennis? <laughs> and then in fifth grade, Susan Williams asked me to play tennis. <laughs> and I said, what's tennis? She says, you don't know what tennis is? I said, I have no idea. What is it? What do you do? She says, you get to run, jump, and hit a ball. And I go, whoa, I'm there. Let's go. Uh, I'll try that. Then we go to her country club because her dad has money. And I'm like, her family, I'm like, oh, this is nice. I'll play this one time and that'll be it. You know, it's interesting. Donna Deverona has a very similar story. Um, Billie Jean, of course, and her legendary tennis career. Donna DeVarona, two-time uh, Olympic gold medal winner, broke many, many records. She had an older brother that she idolized. He also played baseball. She also had that moment of realization that she could not play that sport professionally because she was a girl. And so both of these uh, women, girls at the time, turned to another sport as a, as a backup plan because an opportunity was closed to them. But, you know, that very early awakening for both of them, I think also inspired a different kind of commitment that whatever was open to them, they were going to do their best and they both became outstanding athletes. Um, but they also were thinking that they didn't want other girls to have that same experience of disappointment. And I think that that's what started for both of them, a lifelong commitment to civil rights and equality for girls and women. We'll be back with more from 37 Words director Don Porter after a short break. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs of real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. So, Dawn, one thing you explore in the film is an event that was sold to the public at the time is activism as progress for women, and it was called the Battle of the Sexes, the 1973 tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. When we roll back the tape and look at it, it 
just hits differently in these modern times. How did revisiting it compare to your memories of it? This was something I actually remembered uh, as, as a little girl. This was a huge, huge spectacle. Howard Cosell, the famed sportscaster, you know, moderated this. It was the largest indoor audience for a sporting event. So Bobby Riggs had been a tennis champion. And after he retired, he began kind of celebrating being what he called a male chauvinist pig. Mr. Riggs, I think you owe Miriam an apology. What for? I think you lost him, Bobby. He wanted to sign you up as a charter member of his new club. What's that? Well, it's a new organization he's forming to celebrate his manhood. It's called the Male Chauvinists of America. <laughs> Otherwise known as Riggs Pigs. So, you know, if you think about when this is happening, it's in the, the very late 60s, early 70s. It's just like the women's movement is really picking up steam. People like Gloria Steinem, other activists are you know, making their voices heard or demanding equality for women or pointing out inequality. Now, thanks to the spirit of equality in the air and to the work of many of my more foresighted sisters, I no longer accept society's judgment that my group is second class. So Bobby Riggs challenges the women's champion, Margaret Court, and he beats her, and he delights in beating her. Margaret, it's the greatest sport I've ever played against, and I'm gonna specialize in women's tennis from now on. I'm going all over the world <laughs> and challenge the number one tennis player in every country of the world to a winner-take-all match. I think I've discovered my new thing in life. He's gonna make it his goal to, to beat the best women because no woman could ever beat a man. And so Billie Jean was definitely an eyes on the prize activist. She was not concerned with Bobby Riggs, but he kept following her around. He followed her around for two years, calling press conferences, challenging her to a match. The male is king, the male is supreme, and the women should know that. I plan to bomb Billie Jean King really in this do. match and set back uh, women's lib movement about another 20 years. And when he beats Margaret Court and he continues to crow and talk about women's inferiority, Billie Jean has kind of had enough and she realizes the symbolism that is, is you know, kind of circling around this conversation. You think a lot's at stake for women's lib? The one thing I can't stand is, is what Bobby has to say that uh, men are supreme and all this is a bunch of baloney. It's a huge, you know, huge match. Live from the Astrodome in Houston, Texas, the tennis battle of the sexes, Billie Jean King versus Bobby Riggs. What a scene it is. It's tens of thousands of spectators. It's on primetime TV. Probably more than 30,000 people are in this arena for an all-time record tennis audience anywhere in the world. Hello again, everyone. I'm Howard Coates. So Bobby Riggs is a big theatrical kind of guy. Riggs asks if Billie Jean would come in on like a Cleopatra, you know, if she would she would come in and like kind of play up the theatrics. And, and Billie Jean's known for being a serious athlete. And she, to their surprise, says, sure, I'll do that. And here comes Billie Jean King. It was literally termed the battle of the sexes, as if people could not contemplate that a woman could ever compete with a man. 
of any age. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, Billie Jean wins. She wins decisively. One thing that really, really struck me that Billie Jean said in our interview. Do you have the audio from Howard Cassell? I've been talking about, um, always talking about our looks. Billie Jean King wearing a new gown, but not gown, of course, skirt for this occasion, and looking very much like Billie Jean King always looks. A very attractive young lady. And, and she said she did not watch the replay of that game for 30 years. And she had recently watched it. And she noticed then for the first time that Howard Cosell never spoke about her ability. He didn't once talk about my accomplishment. Her championships, her domination of the sport. He spoke about her looks. And sometimes you get the feeling that if she ever let her hair grow down to her shoulders, took her glasses off, you'd have somebody vying for a Hollywood screen test. There she is. And then there's all this sexist commentary about her charging around the court like a man. She wins, and so the only way they can explain it is that she's more man-like than female-like. And, you know, you could say she won, it's 30 years ago. But to me, you could see it was still painful for her. Mm. And what struck me is, as a little girl watching... I was swimming in this sexist commentary. I didn't know that. That's just Mm. all I heard. And so that becomes part of your experience as a girl, constantly hearing this, your looks are what matters, you know, not your prowess, not your expertise in other ways. Thinking about that, I'm just very conscious about what messages we are sending our girls. Do you feel like at the end of the day, like the battle to sexes was a good thing or a bad thing? Did they reflect um, on that in that conversation at all? Did Billie Jean or Gloria? You know, Gloria Steinem felt like it was a good thing, but she also recognized the immense pressure that it put on Billie Jean King, who didn't want to play that match. You have to be of an age, my age, (laughs) to remember what it was like when you played Bobby Riggs. I mean, it was presented to the whole country as if it were the battle of the sexes. Oh, campuses were completely shut down. That's true. Right. (laughs) I can't imagine being under more pressure than that because you were there representing half the country. This was a chance to get the word out and to show strength. And I knew if I won, I was hoping that it would help us go forward. I kept thinking if I lose, they're always going to say, oh, there's that girl lost that old guy. (laughs) She thought it was silly. She thought it was a distraction from the real work. But she also realized the power of symbolism. So I think I would say I wish we didn't need it, but I'm so glad we had it. I think of all of this converging on you as the person responsible for performing and hopefully winning in that match. Well, Margaret lost earlier is the only reason I played. 
I wasn't going to play Bobby Riggs. I was too busy with trying to help the tour make it. I mean, it was tough, you know, it was really hard. I was getting four hours of sleep a night. So to have Bobby on top of all that, I was like, why was sports not part of the women's movement at the beginning? Because I believe Gloria Steinem spoke with you about where women athletes were and weren't present and what were the challenges around that? Yeah, they both spoke about this. And this was another really, I think, special part of the conversation. You know, Billie Jean said um, the women's movement was not considering the female athletes as part of their you know, cause um, as a tool in their toolkit towards equality. And I was trying to convince Gloria to use us more uh, because we have media after every match, every day, and we're on television all the time. I thought it would be a great way for all of us to, we, we both were doing the same thing kind of in a way, but I wanted us to be together more. Billie Jean was not one to give up. And eventually, the women's movement does embrace, you know, the, the female athlete. What no one could anticipate at the time was that the thing that would really, really bother the men the most was messing with their sports. <laughs> Whether the women wanted it or not, sports become center to Title IX. We will get into the resistance against Title IX after a short break. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Don, in the film, you do such a wonderful job showing us what the expectations were for women before Title IX and what our possibilities were for our future and when what they weren't. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, you know, um, it's it's really shocking footage. And what was the most shocking to me is how open uh, people were in their discrimination. I mean, the expectation for girls was that most 
would become homemakers. Any way you look at it, women's work is not for sissies. Most men would have a hard time of it if they were to change jobs with wife, mother, or girlfriend. The homemaker walks miles every day, from sink to icebox, from cupboard to stove, and from kitchen to dining table. You know, girls' expectations for themselves that they would become secretaries or teachers, maybe a nurse, most, you know, aspire to getting married. All of those are worthy goals, except if you wanted to do something else. And so, you know, it's important to say nursing, teaching, you know, being an assistant, those are all, you know, really great jobs and, and open to a lot of people, but they shouldn't be the only jobs. There should be a choice based on skill, ambition, and desire. And that was really foreclosed. There were no women's sports scholarships. Um, Billie Jean worked two jobs while both Arthur Ashe um, and Stan Smith had full scholarship opportunities based on their excellence in sports. Donna De Verona did not swim in college because there were no college scholarships for women. And so she offered herself at 19 as a commentator because her, her career was, was done in the pool, even though she had broken all these records. Right now, let's meet our women's swimming expert, Donna De Verona, and get her uh, ideas about what we're going to see. Donna? Well, this meet, of course, culminates a third day of furious swimming and record-breaking. When I began my career in broadcasting, which was not lucrative, I was told women's voices have no authority. You're too young. I learned to kind of moderate how I express my opinions uh, so I could be heard. And I was very fortunate that the feminist movement was taking off. What I love about this series is by having the four hours, you can literally see the change over time. I think everyone everywhere thinks there's more work to be done in equality. But what I I do love being able to actually see um, the opportunities that have been created and largely you know, women helping women and looking forward, you know, one generation to the next and dreaming about what the next generation is going to experience. Now that you mention it, this I'm thinking about all the through lines across the four episodes and the payoff of the work is evident if, if not complete, Yeah, <laughs> you know? It's pretty incredible. Okay, I want to revisit what you mentioned about the part of the resistance to Title IX was spending money on women to participate equally in education and quote unquote activities as it was, you know, defined in the legislation. So all of that was boiled down to, as you said, seen as taking away from opportunities for men or taking away from opportunities for male athletic leagues, which was not in fact factually correct. <laughs> Tell us, tell us how that was framed uh, and how it affected the movement. Well, we have to go back to the idea that uh, about the kind of brilliant legislative strategy for Title IX. So Title IX is inserted as a very small provision in a gigantic bill. Um, and the women 
very wisely did not call attention to those 37 words because they knew the opposition would be fierce. So the bill passes, Title IX's in the bill. What comes next are regulations because you you have to have regulations to show you know, how the bill is actually going to be implemented. So, okay, now you have equality in education. What does that actually mean for schools that are subject to Title IX, which are public schools? Someone asked the question, <laughs> does this apply to sports? <laughs> and when the answer is yes, it's kind of like all holy hell breaks loose. And there is this campaign largely by large university Uh, men's athletic directors saying that this is basically the end of days and that education will be ruined for everybody. But it would take the next several decades for the full power of the law to be realized. And that full power is not that everything has to be 100% equal, but you do have to have parity it really did cause uh, a, a huge sea change in options for girls and women. It started with, you know, before Title IX, something like 4% of girls were playing any uh, activity, any sports activity in school. And that number incrementally increases over the years to today where you have girls doing summer leagues. You have girls who play from the beginning. And once you have that ability to play, you get to put in those hours. That's where you see, you know, real opportunity for girls. One thing I would love to piggyback on that you were saying is just that statistic that that I've heard for many years uh, that Billie Jean often talks about that 94% of women in C-suite jobs were athletes first. And that half of women played sports, half of those same women played sports in college. And it's so much about what you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, that that skill that you learn when you insert yourself into an inhospitable place, you take up space and you prove yourself is a translatable and essential skill for women. And it really speaks to the to the true value of not just Title IX, but what being part of a team and, and athletics does for women and girls. I think that's right. And I think there's also something really important about connecting with your physical body. You know, so many women um, avoid taking up physical space in a room and are uncomfortable with that. Um, It's the, you know, it's the physical, you know, kind of analog to the, um, I'm sorry, (laughs) you know, (laughs) which which we all do, um, or putting a question mark after you know, a sentence if you type it or exclamation point so you don't seem too aggressive or assertive. Whereas when you play sports, you need to be aggressive and assertive and stand in your body. And there's a clarity and a strength and a power of being able to feel that without being diminished that, you know, sports is one of the ways that you achieve that. So, um, you know, I, I was like kind of a nerdy kid um, and then for some reason, I, I played softball in college and it was such an eye-opening experience for me. It's not that I was very good, but I felt strong. 
And I felt I loved being part of the team. I wished I was better so I could contribute more to the team. What position did you play? Well, they stick us in right field, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I could not agree more. And just and just the notion that having dominion over your physical person and and having it be a um, you know a tool rather than something to be rated and, and apprised externally, all of those are so uh, cellular, really, as far as develop development goes. And um, those are lessons that we all carry, you know, for, for the rest of our lives. This has been great, as always. Thank you so, so much for sitting down with us today, Dawn. And I can't wait for everyone to see this incredible series. Thank you so much. I love being here. I, I love talking about this series and um, appreciate you all. And you love me, right, Dawn? <laughs> I love you so much, Allison. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. Okay. <laughs> We're taking it to the limit till we win it. So we look behind at the finish line to the limit. So resistance is gone. Keep pushing on. I'm Allison Glock. And you can watch the documentary series 37 Words about 50 years of Title IX streaming now on ESPN Plus and Hulu.